What's up? What's up, everybody? How's everybody doing? I was a little bit weak because some people just kept doing like this. So I'm going to ask everybody to at least give me like a half woo because in a minute I'm going to ask you to do a woo-hoo. So uh, how's everybody doing? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Pretty good. All right. So uh, I want to start with why we're doing uh, the four-point stance because I didn't really give that much last week. So let me just ask y'all a question. Would y'all prefer... Would y'all prefer be ruled by a person that was a tyrant that would hold you in captivity and would take all your stuff from you and would make you feel just terrible about life, but he was in charge? Or would you rather be under a person that, while he was in charge, he was all about lifting you up out of where you're hurting, out of your difficulties, and making everyone's life better? Which one sounds better? Y'all go ahead. Y'all can talk. Second one, right? Second one. So if y'all know anything about history, the Persian Empire, it's very interesting. I love history, so if y'all aren't a history nerd like me, just stick with me for a second because this won't take long. But I love history. I absolutely love it. And the Persian Empire fascinates me because it was times like Esther. If y'all know Esther in the Bible, that was King Xerxes. So like if y'all have watched the 300 movies, oh, that's the same Xerxes, by the way. It's really cool. And so he was, uh, they uh, described him and stuff and showed him a really good way because he was probably seven feet tall and he was this huge man. And every king that predated him up until Alexander the Great's father were, were called God kings. They were so powerful that you couldn't even approach them without the fear of death. Uh, we know what Xerxes did if you know history with the movie and with stuff like that. It's not exactly accurate, but there are some accuracies to it. But then his grandfather before him was Darius that threw Daniel in the lion's den. If you know the Bible, I think that's really cool. Not that Daniel went in the lion's den, but that that was his grandfather. And that that's the history behind it. And so fast forward and you're about 330-ish B.C., okay? Maybe a little bit before that, around 330 B.C., and Philip III passes away, that's, uh, that's Alexander the Great's dad, and he takes over, and he's watched for his whole life up until that point, and then he's known history of what has happened. They were pharaohs of Egypt, they were, they were kings of all of the world, and yet they never had success, and like the Greeks would come in and they would battle them, and then that's what this new movie's about, and I haven't seen it, but like the rise of the empire, whatever it's called, and it's people fighting against each other, it was constant battle, constant warfare, and Alexander the Great, for some reason, I don't know if someone talked to him or what happened, but it's like, listen, we can change all this. We can change all this. I want to change the culture of the places that we've A, taken over, or B, we are going to, rather than come in with an iron fist and put, my hand, put our hands down on them and make their lives miserable. I want to look at them and change the culture. The result of what Alexander the Great did is he took over the entire known world before the age of 33. Matter of fact, he had so much success and so little warfare that he was bored to the point that he killed himself at 33 years old. Now, the goal of this sermon series is not that. That is bad. That's not a good thing. We don't want that. But I do think it's really interesting to look at this, and this is what I want you to consider. So this is for every person, and this is for the next several weeks. But this is for your personal life. I want you to consider this thought as we talk today and then even if you're gone on vacation or whatever, as you watch the messages online and as you see them happening in our church, as we put them up every week, because one's already up. Does my life display a life that others are envious of because of the comfort and the peace and the joy that I have in the culture of my family, 
Because every one of you have a culture, whether you want to admit it or not. We all have culture in our lives and in our family. And I don't mean like we hold the spoon a certain way like some of y'all do. That's quite culture. And I don't, I'm not saying, do you have some great poupon? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying like, like, seriously, we all have a culture that we have created, right? And the question is, is, is my culture to my family and to my kids such that people look at me and say, man, I wish I had that. Because that's the way the church should be. Matter of fact, that's how I think Jesus wanted the church to be in the first place. Like, that's how I think the whole thing's about. The problem with the church is, is us. We come in. And I don't mean you personally, or even me personally, but maybe to an extent. But the problem with the church is us. It's people. It's human beings coming in with our selfish ambition and what we want. And that's the whole point of today's message. The whole point of today's message is exactly that. And I think as far as culture is as far as culture goes in this whole series is important for the future of the culture of our church and where we believe God wants us to go. But the point is, I hope no one's being blinded, Kelly. I think that's you. So we'll do the best we can. Sunglasses. Uh, we're a hospital, not a hotel. And, it, and the definition that's going to be hanging on the wall, hopefully for a while, says we are a shelter for the sick, not a country club for the healthy. Now, I need everyone's attention because I need you to answer this because I know the other crowd, as far as what people do, a little bit better, the first service. How many of y'all work in healthcare? Like you work in a hospital, you work in a doctor's office, you work in healthcare. There's three, four, five people. The first service, I think there was 20, which is amazing because I didn't know we had that many. So like 25 people in our church work in healthcare. I'm telling y'all this, and y'all know me well. Some of y'all know me well, some of y'all don't. Um, I don't mean this against y'all and this has nothing to do with you ladies that raised your hand or the men that work in the first service. I cannot freaking stand to be in a hospital. Does anybody else agree? I mean, like when you walk in. Am I, am I the only one that feels this way? Praise the Lord. I walk in. That's someone that works there, by the way. So just don't go to recovery and you're good. So anyway, like when you walk in, does anyone else feel this way? Like you walk in and there's a smell. In a and like, it's not like completely disgusting smell because they clean the crud out of it, right? They clean, clean, clean all the time. But you just walk in, you're like, hospital. Like, you could blindfold me. I'm convinced. I could be blindfolded and you could drive me to Spartanburg or drive me to Greenville, whichever hospital, and I could walk in and immediately I would say, someone say, where are you? Hospital? Why? Because I can smell it. <laughs> right? And then this is the other thing. This is why I really don't like it, and I'm not even really trying to be funny now. Um, if y'all have been here for a while, by the way, if you're a guest, we're so pumped up that you're here. Pumped up that you're here. But if you're a guest, you probably don't know this story, but um, my grandfather passed away the night before Mother's Day. And the, uh, that day that he passed away, Leah's aunt, we had her funeral. And it was just a really hard uh, just time. But in that time, they both had uh, to be in the neuro area of Gibbs Cancer Center. And if y'all haven't spent a lot of time in Spartanburg in the Gibbs Cancer Center, it's not all bad. Um, matter of fact, it's awesome what's happening, so make sure you hear what I'm saying. It, when I say bad, I mean tough to watch. It's obviously good. But as I was walking through there, like I had to walk to get to my grandfather or get to my aunt, and, or Leah's aunt, and... Um, you just watch people, man, and they're hurting. Like, it makes me ache inside to look at the people that are dying. Because that's ultimately what's happening, is the people are dying. And it, 
I just, I can't stand it. I, I ache when I walk through there because I'm just like, I want to help these people and there's literally nothing I can do. I'm not educated. There's nothing I can do. It drives me crazy. Now, on the other hand, hotel, show of hands, how many of y'all have been to an all-inclusive resort where, don't show your hands yet, where you don't have to do a freaking thing and they give you everything. I mean, like, you put a bracelet on, and then they almost carry you to the beach for you. It is amazing. You lay on the beach, they give you a massage. You want a certain drink, it can be fruity, it can be whatever. It's, it's awesome, right? I mean, it's, it's amazing. And, like, the food, there's nine or ten restaurants. You go to any one you want. Some you have to dress up a little more for. Some you can wear your Bermuda shorts. Like, you do whatever you want to, but you've been to this all-inclusive, off-the-chain resort. Who's been? Who's been? Okay, a handful of you. Y'all all need to go at some point because it is awesome. All right? I, I'm pretty sure we went twice. I know we went on our honeymoon, and my dad's paying for our whole family to go, and I'm very disappointed in that, except not really in a few weeks. But, but listen, the reason I like it so much is because they cater to my every need. I mean, there is, it is amazing to be able to have someone look at you and say, listen, the world revolves around you. Everything that we're doing for the next seven days is your world. You do whatever you want to do. And by the way, it's all paid for. Because that's the even better part. If you have to pay for it, it's not as fun. But it's all paid for. I mean, it's the hotel, motel, holiday. It was awesome. That's what I'm talking about. I want that. That's what I want with my life. Every day, I want to be catered to. I don't want to have to go in and care for the people that are hurting. Like That's, that's so hard. And so, in light of that, because that's the truth. I'm serious. I really like all-inclusive resorts. And I really do struggle going to hospitals. And not to see you guys. Just in general, it makes me hurt. So in light of that, why would that be the vision of our church? Why would that be part of our culture? Why, if my personal preference, and I, I believe most of you, I don't think most of you would say, if I had the choice today, I would either fly to Maui and be at an all-inclusive resort for a week, or I'd stay in the hospital. Because by the way, I, I'm throwing this in. Leah's had two kids. If y'all have had kids, you know what I'm talking about. And maybe you've had to stay in the hospital for longer than this. But they make like little beds beside the big bed. Someone say amen to this. If you're big and you have to sleep in that bed. Matter of fact, if you're small, it's terrible. If you're big, it's terrible. They don't make it for this, right? We had two kids and I literally said two's enough to start with because the second one was hasting. But after that, like, it, it, because I don't want to sleep in the bed anymore. And it's always two nights and it's Oh, they don't make it for me because it's not for me. They're not catering to my needs. They don't look at me and say, you know what? That's a big guy. We need, we need to put the, the nicest down comforter down, and we need to have all these things. You know, what, what are they doing? They're trying to help the sick, right? Their purpose is to help the sick or new life. In, in the case of my two kids, they were giving new life. They didn't look at daddy and go, we sure do hope you're comfortable. We sure do hope today. Listen, it's all about you. It's all about you. We want you to be happy, so whatever it takes, buddy, as long as you're happy. But in the case of me personally, what I want with my life, what I want with my life is for you to believe that, that it's all about me. And so I want the world to revolve around me. And so it's like a tension. It's like weird. Which one will I choose? Will I choose, will I choose hospital or will I choose hotel? Which one, which one do I want for the church? And ever since the beginning, this has been a tension. Ever since the beginning, ever since Jesus came to the earth, 
This has been difficult because the truth is, I want everybody to get this. All of us are selfish, but all of us always have been selfish. Like, it's not like we invented selfishness and so we're like, we're the weirdest crowd ever. We, we want to be selfish. No, they all did. And in the days of Jesus, they, they hated this idea so much because what they preferred is a country club. They preferred, listen, this is what most churches are. This isn't a, any church. I promise you I'm not knocking any church. This is what most churches are. If you give a certain amount of money, you are due certain things. You, you should be cared for. You should be fed every Sunday. And by the way, that's my goal. Every time I get up here, I hope that you walk away fed. But the end goal is not that you feel good about yourself, but that we're a hospital, not a hotel. And so if the only thing I think as I come in is that pastor better have a good message today, that band better not stink today. Y'all didn't, it was awesome. But like, it, it better be good, right? It better be awesome because I give my money here and I'm do something. And maybe none of y'all feel this way, but the church as a whole, not four points, but what we are branded as, listen, we do feel that way to the point that I don't think people out there want to be in here because they know that we're about us, not about what God has called us to be. It's been this way for years. Matter of fact, this is what, in just a second, I'm going to show you Luke 15. And it's, it's an awesome passage of scripture because it's the, there's three lost stories. The lost son that my uncle did a couple weeks ago and then the lost coin, and then today we're going to look at the lost sheep. But in the context of that, it's Jesus talking to the religious leaders of the day and answering the question, you're going to be a hospital or hotel. But there's one question that we need to answer for ourselves, and this is what we have to decide. Am I going to be, am I going to be a person that serves, or am I going to be a person that wants to be served? And this is hard, because if I'm answering this question honestly, I want to be served at Punta Cana, Dominican Republic, in a few weeks. Like, I'm very excited about that. So it's, it's like a tension, right? If, if I want that for my personal life, why would my family and my church be better serving rather than being served? Why would it be better? I want you to look at what Jesus said in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. I absolutely love this passage. And my prayer is that we will leave differently. My, my biggest prayer is that we will start being uh, good and not suicidal. Alexander the Great's, where we leave here and we realize that the way to reach this community with the gospel is not look at them and say, you're going to hell! Because that's what they hear, whether that's what they're, we're saying or not. And realize that we have the message of hope. We have the hope of glory. It's inside of us and it's welling through us. And once we realize what God has done in me, we can then give it to them. And it's not a hate, and it's not an anger, and it's not a tyrant and an iron fist. It's hope and love and joy. And what we get to be is people that serve. But it's hard. It's difficult. And it's messy. And we have to decide. Watch this. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were drawing, excuse me, were all drawing near to him. Tax collectors and sinners. Specifically, let me tell you what this means. Tax collectors were the most hated people of the day of Jesus because they, it's not just the people that came and collected taxes, which is obviously what they did, but they were thieves. They would steal at least double what you owed, and you could do nothing about it. Nothing. I'm, I can't really think of a good example of who this would be today. People, I've heard people say politicians, but I don't like that example because not all politicians are bad. And some people say, well, yes, they are because you have to be a snake, but y'all know some good ones. There were literally no good tax collectors. 
I mean, they, everyone, I think you had to like sign a paper back in the day or scroll or whatever they sign, right? I think you had to sign something back in the day and say, we will steal from everybody so that we're all a fraternity and we can all be evil. They were hated. Like, it was this bad. If you knew someone was a tax collector, you gave them your money. And then outside of that, you never associated with them again because they had the big house on the hill and you knew it all came from them. You hated these people. So to go to their house, if you grew up in church, you know the story. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, right? Y'all know that story. And wee little man was he? He. To see, right? Y'all, that's good. That's good, right? Why was that such a big deal? He was a tax collector. You didn't go to their house. Matter of fact, you didn't talk to them. It made everybody mad. Why would Jesus talk to these people? What's wrong with him? Why is he doing these things? It's weird. Jesus wants to hang out with people that aren't like us. He's not in the country club. He's not in religion. I don't understand. We're about religion. Why is he not about this? It was a tension he was creating. And then sinners. Sinners dealt specifically with like prostitutes. This was not talking about someone that has committed sin, but someone that was notorious for sinning. People that no one wanted to be around because they were judgmental. Who does that sound like? That is amazing, isn't it? Just amazing. Doesn't sound anything like the church, right? Because if you know that certain people do certain things, and I know that certain people do certain things, heaven forbid we're seen with them. What if they think we did it? Right? That's... that's that's the culture of the American church. Am I right? Do y'all agree? Is that what people think about when they think about our culture? I'm not talking about four points right now. I'm talking about the church in general. When someone reads on social media or someone reads somewhere else that you are a person that goes to church, the immediate thing they think about is they judge me. Do y'all agree with this? They judge me because I sin. They judge me because of my past. They judge me because of what I've done wrong. And guess who they judge first? This is amazing to me. Jesus. Jesus. For hanging out with them. For loving on them. For doing more. It says that they were all drawing to him. Now, I just love that verse because this is what I think about. Do people far from God, listen to this carefully, do people far from God draw toward me because of the love that I have to, for them? Do people that are far from God, that are sinning, that are today's tax collectors that no one else wants to be around, by the way. They're the misfits and they're the bad kids. They're the, they're the hood rats. Do those people, are they drawn to me? Not because I'm going to offer them drugs. Not because I'm going to offer them a good time. But because I'm going to offer them love and hope. Are they drawn to me? Or are just people like me drawn to me? Just people that are middle class. I'm not upper class, but I'm sure not, I'm sure not fighting for my next meal. Is it just those people? Is that the only people drawn to me? Because if that's the case, I'm a hotel, motel, holiday inn. I'm not, I'm not a hospital. Jesus was known for drawing people far from God and loving on them. And he was criticized. And you will be too, by the way. Good news. <laughs> you will be too. Because this is what it says. And the Pharisees and scribes, who were the religious leaders of the day, they'll know more about the Bible than we ever will. They memorized the entire Old Testament, by the way, to be a Pharisee. Is that not crazy? Like they memorized it. And they grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners. Can you believe she was hanging out with so-and-so? Y'all ever said that? Can you believe it? Can you believe it? This man eats and receives sinners. <laughs> How dare they? How dare they, man? They're horrible. 
This is where I need everybody to lock in just for a second because if you're either a four-pointer or you're not, this is really important because this is dealing with the culture of our church for the next, Lord willing, if I have blood in my body and oxygen in my nose and I can stand up and God wants me to pastor, I will be here. I've, I've kind of put my flag in the ground and stake the claim that this is where I'm going to be till I retire unless something crazy happens. If I'm the pastor and if God is willing, this will be Four Points Church. This is what I want to be known for. I hope, I look forward to the day. Matter of fact, I'm going to giddy skip. The day that someone looks at us and says, they hang out with sinners. Woo! Yes! Guess why? That's what they said about Jesus. I think if they say something about Jesus, it's cool for us, right? Who's going to criticize us? What's that say? Religious people, right? Pharisees and scribes, the really smart religious people that thought their goodness came from what they did and not by what Christ did in them. They never got it. They had all the information you could possibly have. And yet Matthew 21, y'all need to look it up. Matthew 21, the story of the two sons, and they miss it all together because Jesus said, I told one son to go. He said no at first, and then he did. And then I told the other son to go, and he said yes. Excuse me, the first one said no, and then he went. So he said, first he said he wouldn't, and then he went. The second one, this is, this is these people. This is us. This is you. This is me. Catch this. Don't miss. Don't miss. First they said yes, and with their mouths they acknowledged, oh, yes, I love God, I love God, I love God. I know all these things. Get this. And then it says he didn't. And this is what the Scripture says. Y'all don't need to miss this. Matthew 21, you need to look it up. It says, I tell you the truth that the tax collectors and the prostitutes will inherit the kingdom of God before some of you. Why is that? Does that mean they earned it? Nope. It just means they got it. It means they, they really receive salvation through hope and through trusting in Jesus Christ and not through what they've done or not through all of the goodness that we are. Now, this is the problem with culture that we live in today in the church. We really believe, and I said this last week, but this is a culture change. We really believe it's what we do and not what Christ does in us. And I'm telling you it's not. I'm telling you that it's messy to do these things. I'm telling you it takes time. I can give you story after story of what I have done and then what I failed to do. But if there's no one in your life that you can identify that you spent time with, I'm going to just give you one quickly. It was a, a young man. Some of y'all know him. His name's Travis. I love this kid. He's not a kid anymore. I love this man. He's a truck driver now. He was here last week. He's on the road again today. Um, but when he was going through school, he struggled, as many of us would without parents. He lived with a woman he called uh, Mama, but she was a foster mom, and um, really just went home from home, really struggled. Um, when I got to know him, he walked to my office at my previous church, and when I got to know him, we would just hang out all the time, and I didn't know his grades were bad, and then I realized he failed the ninth grade three times, not two, as I said in the first service. He failed the ninth grade English three times. Three times. And I finally looked at Leah one day and I said, I hate English so much because I'm not good at it. I had to take remedial reading classes when I got to college. I'm the last person that should help this dude with English. But I'm going to his house every Thursday before his vocab test and we are memorizing that daggum book. And I've jokingly said before, the greatest accomplishment of my ministry is when he graduated from high school because he struggled. He struggled. And the reason that I say that, and it was tongue-in-cheek, but the reason that I say that is because it was messy, it was difficult, we cried sometimes, it was not at all sexy. Listen to me carefully, there was no accolades. 
There was no one patting me on the back, which is what we all want, right? We need applause for what we do. And maybe it's just me. Maybe you don't struggle as bad as I do. But we want people to tell us, man, good job. That's awesome. There was none of that. It was me sitting in a small house that wasn't always clean, that wasn't nearly sexy ever, and going word by word, word by word, 20 words a week, every single week, memorizing them. And he passed, and I'm so excited about that. And I'm never going to get a card in the mail, and I'm never going to get a letter from the president, right? Because it's messy, and there's sick people laying all around. And there's someone in your life right now that God wants you to do something with. And then this is the picture that he gives, and I think it's so beautiful. And I'm about to get crazy and excited, but this is going to close us up. And I want you to see the picture right after this. It gives such good context for this story, because this is what Jesus said. He said, really, you're criticizing me for hanging out with hurting lost people because they're not who you like to associate with. Well, watch this, verse 3. It says, so he told them this story, this parable. What man of you having lost a hundred, having a hundred sheep, excuse me, there are probably, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 adults in here. So let's just assume with all the kids that we have in here, there's a hundred, right? Y'all with me? There's probably a hundred total people in the room today. And let's say that all of us are good. We're all good. And just one of our children, one of our children just happened to walk out the front door. They're, they're gone. Could be my boy, Haston, because... He would leave, wouldn't he? So it could be Haston, right? He just walked out. He gone, like, right? He's out. Peace. He says, if he has lost one of them, does not leave y'all and go get him. Does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. How many of y'all would just, just be cool with Haston being gone or your son or your daughter or your granddaughter or just one of those kids, even if you're not a mom or dad? How many of y'all would be like, ah, I don't really see the point of the Amber Alert. That's kind of dumb. That's their fault. They shouldn't have left. They shouldn't be lost, bro. They knew the rules. They're sinners. He broke the rules. He's two and he should know better. I agree with that, by the way. But he's two and he should know better, right? So what's wrong with him? How many of us would do that? Like, for real. It's ludicrous to even think about it. And you're like, Mark, come on. Seriously? We would lose our minds and we would run. And we would see him wherever he is, and we'd say, no! Come here! I'm going to rescue you! And so immediately they're hearing this, and it's no different than us hearing it this way, and we think, duh, of course I would go get them. Of course I don't want one of our children, or even one of you that is lost and you can't find your way home. Of course we'd run out to get them, but what do we do? I told, I told Leah this this week. We, um, we have, of course, neighbors on either side of us, and we've gotten, I knew the neighbor... As you pull into my driveway on our left, which is if you're in the house, it's on the right. But as you pull in on the left, we knew them growing up. And so we're friends with them. We talk to them and their kids play with our kids. But then the ones on the other side of the street, we've had conversations at the mailbox. We've talked to them every once in a while. But their little girl came over and played with Laney for, let's say, an hour on Friday. We talked to the mama. She's sweet as she could be. We hung out. We talked about doing a barbecue hopefully soon. And I, I'll just look at Lee, and this is what I told her. Seriously? I've lived in that neighborhood for over three years, and I have no idea if that sheep is lost or found, and I don't even care. Why? Because I'm a hotel. Because my house is about me. 
because I want my feet rubbed and I want my shoulders massaged and I don't ache inside because my boy's lost. Now listen to this carefully. As much as I would ache if my son was lost or Laney, my goodness, I would kill any of y'all if y'all messed with Laney. But as much as, as much as like I feel that way, where I feel passion and excitement, I, listen to this, I would run out if they were in front of a car right now, and this is not an exaggeration, this is the truth. I would run out, and I would throw you to the side and throw them to the side, and I would fight, and I would go head on with any bus that was coming if I could save my kid. But check this out. Jesus threw Jesus into the bus for you. Now, is that not weird? If that doesn't blow your mind and stir your heart a little bit, then something's wrong. If it doesn't stir your heart, then instead of saving him and killing anyone that he had to kill for the life of his own son, that he thought enough of you to throw him into the fire. What? How many of you, if there's one lost, would not go out there? Well, that's not us because we're a hotel, not a hospital. In our culture, in our lives, that's what people recognize us at. They, they don't see hurting people that are so deeply in love with God because of what God did in them that we love because he first loved us. That's, that's not what they see. They see. They see a bunch of people that they want them. When it's convenient, I'll love. But if it's not convenient for me, and if I don't get accolades, I'm not doing it. How many of y'all would not run out? Verse 5. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he calls... Excuse me, when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, I found my sheep that was lost. I'm just telling y'all right now, okay? I need y'all to stay with me right here. If my son or daughter was gone and I found them, I need y'all, y'all can talk right now. What would I do? Huh? Yeah, this is what y'all just did. Celebrate. Really? I said, ah! Are you freaking kidding me? My kid was lost and I found him. Woo! Like, I would go nuts. It, it would be mild what I do at South Carolina football games when I'm doing the stupid waving the towel thing, which is not stupid. It's awesome. But like I, like I would, I, that's mild compared to what I would do. I would attempt to flip and land in the same spot. I don't care if something breaks. I would do cartwheels, and I can't even do them because I'm so big. I would go nuts. I would throw the biggest party ever. And I don't care what religious people think about throwing parties. I think it's freaking awesome. Why? Because that's what happened right here. He called his neighbors together. All that means is he had a big old barbecue and they had a party and they were going at it. I'm not being inappropriate as far as partying goes. I'm not saying they brought all the crazy stuff out. I'm saying they celebrated and were excited. Why is it? But in the church we have to be reverent. Well, praise the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Another soul is found. No! There's no rules! Stop believing in the rules that are lies. We don't live under that crud. It is tyranny. It is a hand down. That is why people don't want what we have. Instead, woo! That's what I'm talking about. We're excited. When Morgan comes in a minute, we're not going to be upset or just praise God from whom all blessings flow. No, it's woo! Right? And I know it's a little bit over the top this morning. But that's what it takes for culture to change. Because forever, we're so comfortable in our lives that we've gone through the motions and gone through the motions and gone through the motions. And this is what we do. And I hope that you're not this way. 
but I'm almost positive every person in here that's a Christ follower is. This is what we do. Yeah, I don't know about my neighbors. They'll be all right. They're probably okay. I assume that they know Jesus. I assume that they're fine. I am, sh- I am just certain that if my son was lost and he walked out that front door, no one saw him, and he was heading toward that body of water that's back here, and while he'll jump into water, he has to have an inner tube on, and if he jumped in without it, well, it would not be good. I'm sure he'll be fine, though. Maybe he'll learn to float. Maybe he'll be okay. Maybe he'll be fine. Why is that our attitude in the church? Why is that what we are associated for as the church, capital C, across the world? Guys, this is what I'm telling you this morning. The minute that my culture at my home changes, where people recognize me as one that wants to serve and not one that wants to be served, that it's not all about me and my life, but I want to lift up others with everything that I do, that I want people to see Jesus when they see me, that I want to love people even when it's messy. It's not convenient. It hurts. Sometimes you got to spend whole days what you don't, that, that you wouldn't do if, if you got to pick your own way and just be on the beach and just have a great time. You got to get your feet dirty. You got to get your hands dirty. You got to get talked about. It's messy. And it's freaking awesome. And it's what Jesus did. It's what Jesus did. It's not just poor people. It's not just tatted up people. It's not just people of color or people that are white. It's not just, it's everybody. Because I'm telling you right now, you can ask any healthcare professional in this room. When they walk in and they lay on that hospital bed, I promise you, I promise you when their heart gets split open and they're in open heart surgery, the surgeon is not looking at them going, you know, this is a rich person, so we need to work a little harder on this patient. Or this person, he has tattoos, so his heart isn't worth working on. They're trying to save lives. All God called us to do is be servants that honor him with our lives and our actions and our attitudes that we love people. And this house, as long as we have breath, will be a house that is a hospital, not a hotel. And this is the question you must answer for yourself as we close. Will I be a person that's about serving or about being served? Do I desire to serve or be served? The choice comes down to contentment, being comfortable, enjoying life, or commitment to being a warrior, a fighter for the cause of Jesus Christ. And guess how we'll know this? It's not by what you say. It's by the way that you live. It's by the people that you hang out with. And I'm not talking about your best friends. I'm talking about the people that are drawn to you. Because that's what Luke 15 said. Is these people were drawn to Jesus because he loved them. Who's drawn to you? And you can answer it this way. Number one, do I know Jesus? Am I certain without a doubt that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life because I have given him all? Like if you've never done that, this is the biggest thing. And by the way, we're here for you. Everything that we do, all the money that we spend, all the lights that we put up, we want you to know that we love you. More importantly, God loves you enough to send Jesus and not pull him out of the way but to send him to die, to take away your sins. He loves you right where you are. You don't have to clean up. 
He'll save you just like this. And if you are a person that is saved this morning, you have to answer this question. Will I continue to desire to be served? Or will I stand up and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When people see us, I want them to see people that love each other. And as a result, they want to know what it's about. And our culture is so infectious that we're like Alexander the Great in his kingdom. Where they look and say, you know, we don't hate you. We don't agree with your lifestyle sometimes, but we're not going to focus on that. We will tell people when sin is sin. We will not hide behind that. But we will show them grace rather than hammer on their sin and say, Jesus wants to change your life. And at the moment that the Holy Spirit convicts someone, they realize they have sinned. We don't have to beat it across their head. And because of the culture that changes inside of them, they want what you have. And we will change the world. Because no one wants to change the world more than Jesus. He died for it. I promise you, he wants to change this community more than we do. Will you bow with me? With every head bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to ask you two simple questions. The first one, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Are you that sheep that was lost? And you're wandering. You're like my son or your sons or your daughters heading for a place. The amber alerts are going off. Inside your heart, you know this. You only have to trust Christ one time. But if you've never really surrendered your heart to Jesus with faith, saying, I believe you died and you raised from the dead and I place all my trust in you. If you haven't done that, then you've missed the most important thing. I'm going to ask you right now, if that's you, will you just slip your hand up as high as you can and say, Pastor Mark, that is me. I need Jesus. I want to be saved right now. If that's you, will you just raise your hand up? Say, Pastor Mark, that's me. I need Jesus. I want to be saved. I want Jesus to come inside of me. I want him to save my soul. Pastor Mark, that's me. Just raise it as high as you can if that's you. Pastor Mark, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. I need everybody. I'm just going to ask everybody to look at me right here. Will you just look? Um, this isn't like a commitment. I'm not asking you to come forward. I'm not asking you to fill a card out because honestly that's cheap and easy and we will all do it. And like Matthew 21 says, I really do want y'all to look it up. Like Matthew 21 says that uh, some said that they would and then they didn't. And some really at first said that they wouldn't, but they did. And Jesus said, which one are really obedient? And of course they answered it was, it was the first ones. It was the one that said that they wouldn't, but then they ended up doing. I don't care how many times you've said you wouldn't. All I'm asking is that you will, that you do, that you stand up and you say, today, my life's going to be different. Well, how does that happen? It happens by every day. You don't have to, but you get to open God's word. And you spend daily time. The Bible says to meditate on it. That just means to spend time stewing on it. Spend time just, just reading it over and over and, and realizing what it's saying, not just rushing through it to get it done so God doesn't hate you. And in every area of your life, you pray Bible says to pray without ceasing. That means that we never stop being in an attitude of prayer. Always being in that attitude of prayer. So whenever something difficult comes up or ever a temptation comes up, God is the first person you talk to because on your behalf, the Holy Spirit groans for you, Romans 8, 26. So that's how we can change the world. That's how we can change the world. So today, guys, I'm just asking you if you want your house to be a house that is about changing the world for the gospel of Jesus. You stand with us in just a second and we close in worship. Will you let that be you? Will you be a part of us that changes the culture of this community because of the culture that God changed inside of us? God, we believe that you want to change the world.
and you want to use this church, and we're so grateful for every young person, an old person like me, <laughs> and every adult, every person in this place. Make it about you, God, not about us. That we're a hospital for the sick, not a hotel for the healthy. That, God, we continue to love each other even if we're healthy. But no matter what walk of life we come from, when people are hurting, we gather all that we are and we lift each other up so that we will change this community because they are drawn to us. We love you, Jesus. We stand now and worship you with praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all stand with us as we close.